0: Vineyard Westside welcomes everyone. It doesn't matter where you've been or what you've done. Come as you are, because we believe that love wins. Period. So I have ten pages of notes today. It's too many pages. I'll be honest with you. It's probably five pages too many. And so we're gonna we're gonna rock. We're gonna go quick today. You you good with that? You got, you might have to like stretch it out a little. I. Almost pulled a muscle just thinking about giving this message. So we're gonna try and move quickly. Um, main things that I don't wanna forget, Christmas Eve service this year is happening, 4 p.m. 4 p.m. for our Christmas Eve service. Uh, that is gonna be, it's, it's gonna be Friday. Uh, and so um, Christmas, it's one of those strange years where Christmas falls on a Saturday, And uh, just with everything going on in trying to get volunteers together, honestly, we just made a decision to not have church on the 26th, the day after Christmas, and give all of our volunteers the day off to be able to spend with their families and uh, not have to be here like five times in two weeks. Uh, So we're not having service on Christmas Day uh, or the following Sunday right after it, but There will be Christmas Eve service, 4 p.m., and then we will also have a New Year's Eve service um, that anyone is invited to. More information in the program about that. I hope to see you on Christmas Eve. Today, what I want to talk about is the mother of Jesus, Mary. And if you grew up Catholic, she may have been even more famous than Jesus was. Right? You guys really really like Mary. I like her too. I didn't grow up Catholic, but I like her very, very much because she's, she's a hero in our faith and because uh, she made some incredibly difficult decisions when she was really, really young. Um, and so we're going to look at the fact that there's something about Mary today. Um, when we first started this church many years ago, we had a youth group that for whatever reason, I don't remember what the the project was, but they had a life-size cardboard cutout of Jesus that they were challenged to take with them to different places. And so they took this cutout of Jesus, life-size Jesus in a robe, like this-I think he was given thumbs up for some reason. I don't. But uh, they carried this life-size cardboard Jesus around with them and they went to a movie theater and they they took him to to Northgate Mall and carried them all around, and I'm sure they probably had to talk to two or three people at Northgate Mall that they ran into, but it was it was the stuff that was about not being ashamed of Jesus, taking Jesus everywhere that you go, and just kind of um, a, a thing for them to, to have that takeaway of um, what is it like when people see Jesus with you, um, not just like A lot of us, we go to church on Sunday and then we shut the heck up about it the rest of the week, right? Some people. Not you guys. You guys are good, right? But what is it like to actually carry him with you all the time? 2,000 years ago, 2,000 years ago, another teenager, much like those kids, carried Jesus around, but it was in a slightly different way. It wasn't cardboard. It was a wee baby in her belly. And this girl's name was Mary, of course. Uh, but it was just like with these kids carrying around a cardboard cutout of Jesus, that it was, it was obvious, it was noticeable when they're walking around with this thing. It was, it was, it was like it, it stuck out. Just like that, this baby in Mary's belly would have stuck out. It would have been obvious. It would have been like it, it, different even than today. I don't think they had maternity clothes back then. And so Mary was super young. She was 16 years old at the very most. Um, Most studies show she was probably around 14, um, 14 to 15 years old. Uh, And so she's a teenager. This is a teen pregnancy that we're talking about today. Yippee! And so she's got strikes against her. She's got... Um, pregnant teen, strike one, uh, she was poor. Strike two, uh, she was a girl. Strike three, at that time, it wasn't 2021. It wasn't the as female. It was females, I guess. Yeah, we like them for certain things. But in that society, at that time, women were not, they weren't respected. They weren't uh, treated In the same way they were just considered second-class people and so uh, she's young she's pregnant she's poor she's a girl she's got kind of everything going against her everything in Mary's life at that time a couple thousand years ago Mary's life stinks Um, and even though she was a good kid uh, she was unmarried though and she was pregnant and she was afraid And she had to travel this long distance before she gave birth. We talked a little bit about it last week. Uh, This was not in an ambulance to a well-equipped hospital. Um, I've ridden in an ambulance several times. Um, They're pretty nice. They're pretty well-equipped. Mary wasn't in one. She was on a donkey. I've ridden a donkey, too. (laughs) Um, It was horrible. Um... Yeah, any elegant part of riding a donkey that you can think of, you're wrong. I don't know how to describe it. It's gross. It's bad. And this pregnant girl was on one, riding for super far. I rode one for about two hours when I was injured in Honduras from one of our trips doing something. I don't remember what. And I had to ride a donkey out. And it was embarrassing. But that burrow saved me. Mary has to ride a donkey uh, to give birth to her son, but she doesn't panic, she doesn't freak out, and this thing about Mary is that her and her young husband Joseph, they get prompted by God, God chooses them as the earthly parents of of Jesus, of of the Son of God. This This is a huge deal, and it's because there's something about Mary it's because there's something about Mary. There's something about this girl that God recognized was special. Do you ever have people in your life that are highlighted for some reason? That God... It, what, if you're not a, a, a church person or whatever, you could just say it's a coincidence. Uh, coincidence is our way of saying God doing stuff. And so um, it, it, sometimes God will highlight a person to me. And I don't know why. Why? but they will be highlighted. And I'll just go, okay, why am I... Uh, why am, wh- what's going on with that? <laughs> do you want me to do something for them? Ask them something? Tell them something? Pray for them? What, what's going on? And sometimes somebody, people get highlighted. Mary gets highlighted by God himself. There's something about Mary that was special enough that God would, would, would highlight her in that way. Something about this girl... That God trusts her to be able to carry His most valuable treasure, and when I think about that, I, like I, I want to be trusted with God's treasures. I want to be in that place. I want to be found anywhere close to some of the things that Mary was. What we're going to talk about today are three different things that that I so, I see Mary displaying in this story of. Jesus being born. Three things about her that I believe uh, God would be challenging us to step into just as much right now, because it it would it would unlock it would unlock it would unlock miraculous things for you. Mary, she says, um, "I can do it to God." I can be trusted with your plans. I can um, be found reliable with your promises and your gifts. Uh, we're talking about Mary today, first because, in spite of all of her problems, in spite of the instability that Mary had going on in her life, um, if any of you were pregnant when you were a teenager, you know about instability and that it was hard and it was scary, and you were freaking out and. Uh, You didn't know if you were going to be able to pull this off. Mary's, in spite of being in that spot, she exhibits a characteristic of, this is the first one if you're a note taker, she exhibits the characteristic of unswerving commitment. Unswerving commitment. Mary, who's just happy to be this normal Jewish girl living in a Jewish town, even her name was the most ordinary Jewish name you could have for a girl, Miriam, Mary, just, it was named after Moses' sister. She had unswerving commitment. Do any of you have an unswerving commitment right now to anything, um, anything in your life, anything that you, you're going after it hard? Like it might be, um, you have that unswerving commitment to get your degree, Anybody have unswerving commitment to something right now? What is it? Sobriety. Sobriety. Unswerving commitment to staying clean. What's your unswerving commitment? Same thing? What is it? To To my husband. Yeah, that's a good one. I like that. Who else? Unswerving commitment? Yeah, what do you got back there? To what? To raising your kids. Hopefully raising them in a godly, good, you know, all that. How about you? Absolutely. Unswerving commitment to some of these things, though. And this is what Mary has, this unswerving commitment to carry out the thing that God handed over to her. And so a few weeks before she gets pregnant, she's engaged to this normal guy, Joseph, And he's not a scholar. He's not extraordinary in any way. He's, um, what we say, you know, like, what I've found out later is that as you start to, if you hang out with fancier people, they'll start, they use phrases like, oh, he was an industrial arts guy. (laughs) You know what industrial arts is? He was an industrial arts guy. (laughs) It just means you work on stuff. You build stuff. You do stuff with your hands. Jesus was a carpenter. He learned that. From his dad, Joseph, his earthly father. Joseph is a carpenter. He's a blue-collar worker. God interrupts Mary and Joseph's normal, normal, normal life. One day, an angel named Gabriel appears to Mary, and he gives her a message that ends up rocking her world. Luke chapter 1, he says, "...in the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph." A descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. This is also because what we've seen throughout Scripture is whatever your idea of an angel is, I would argue that you're sorely mistaken. And they're terrifying, and they're huge, and you think they're going to kill you. And so every time we see an angel in Scripture, there's a person near them going, Ah! Basically. And they, calm down, just calm calm down. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He'll be great and he will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be? Mary asks, since I am a virgin. The angel answers, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and then the power of the Most High will overshadow you. And so the Holy One, to be born, will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. And she who is said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month. For no word from God will ever fail. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. May your word to me be fulfilled. And then the angel left her. And so this angel takes his time and he answers he gives honest answers to, to Mary's questions. But ultimately, the choice to have this baby was still hers. It was up to her. And she says, yes, I am the Lord's servant. May your word to me be fulfilled. And so there's major consequences to what she's saying here, right? Major consequences. Um, what she's saying here is the yes to, yeah, sure, uh, I'll, take the, I'll take this holy baby. Um, That also includes some rejection that's going to come from people all around her when they notice that she's a pregnant teenager who's not married. There's disapproval, disgrace that's going to be on her family. There's, what are her friends going to think? What are her family members going to think? Who's going to believe her story, right? You're pregnant? Well, Is it Joseph's? No, it's the Lord's? Oh my... If your kids ever lied to you like in a weird, and it's just a, it's such a doozy, you're like, oh my God. That's what you came up with? God did it? If your 15-year-old daughter showed up pregnant and said God did it, I'm just thinking about it. Anyways, so there's public humiliation of all this stuff. There's, uh, by agreeing to this, Mary is offering herself up as, as now gossip bait. She's gossip bait. She's going to be getting, she's going to be getting killed from now on. And people are going to gossip, right? They've done it for thousands of years. And actually, in Scripture, um, do you know, you guys know how bad gossip is? In Scripture, gossip is always mentioned with murder, It's always mentioned with murder in the line of uh, you have murderers and you have gossips and you have slanderers and you have a list of other things. But gossips is way up there on that list because gossip has been said that it's the most deadly bug. It's the most deadly bug and it has neither legs nor wings. It's composed entirely of tails and most of them have stingers and it ruins things and gossip is a cancer that spreads to people. And if you've ever been stung by the gossip bug, you know how bad it was for Mary. You know how bad it was for Mary. If you've ever had something that people were talking about you behind your back with. And so jaws are flapping, people are talking, people are staring, she's being mocked and shamed. Um, She's pregnant out of wedlock. This brings the bitterest kind of shame at that time. And so, in a traditional wedding, uh, what would normally be going on if it was a normal setting and she was a normal girl getting married to normal old Joseph and God didn't come and plant a supernatural, not normal at all baby in her womb, uh, if things were going normally, in a traditional wedding, the bride would sit in front of their father's house for three days before the wedding, dressed in white, and they would. it would be a... a dressed in white to signify her purity and her virginity. And for that three days, people would come by to greet her all day long. They would come from near and far to come and, and greet the soon-to-be bride. What kind of greetings do you think they bring to the pregnant bride? It just would have been devastating. So Mary's the first person. Mary Mary is the first person who was ever persecuted for having faith in Christ. She's the first person ever persecuted for having faith in Jesus. And then there's Joseph, this poor sucker. He's. How many of you guys in here? If you were Joseph, if you were Joseph in this this story, what's he gonna think? Well, there goes, oh uh, there goes my marriage, there goes my family, there goes my and he's a righteous man. And, and so he, he, wouldn't want to touch, he wouldn't want to touch her with a 10-foot pole. It's an unwed mother who was promised to him, and now you've messed everything up. And so if Joseph ends up rejecting her, if Joseph ends up rejecting her, and she doesn't have him, she's in serious trouble. Because at that time... Uh, if Joseph rejects her, she's down to two choices for supporting herself, becoming a slave or becoming a prostitute. That's it. Becoming a slave or becoming a prostitute. Jewish law stated that someone who is betrothed, the betrothed maiden, like Mary, if they were discovered to be with child, that it was lawful to stone them. And so you would dig a hole three feet deep and you would put their legs down into the hole. You would refill it back up with the dirt and pack things in. You would get it to where they were, they were buried up to their, their waist. And then people would get the, the biggest stones they could find and they would take turns throwing them until she was dead. This is what the law said was allowable for, for Mary, that she was literally risking her life accepting this angel's assignment. She's risking everything um, family, reputation, love, marriage, financial security, even her life. Um, and so I just think of the questions like, what am I willing to actually sacrifice to serve God? She's, she's giving up, she's giving up everything. And what am I willing to sacrifice to serve God? Like my plans, my money, my bad habits. Um, I, you know, I talked about it, uh, I talked about it a few times recently, but I—I I was what I felt like was hopelessly addicted to chewing tobacco for about 15 years. I—I um, I would dip two. I went through two cans a day, um, two full cans a day. Fall asleep with it in my mouth. Um, tobacco grossness would get on the pillow. My wife would yell at me and inform me I was gross. <laughs> I, it, and but the thing was the thing was that, that finally got me was that um, i kept having things where god was wanting me to walk through people uh leaving addictions and stuff like that and i couldn't leave this one and so i was like it was just this thing it did, it didn't work and god kept saying you got to you got to get rid of it you have to drop it you have to let go of it and so I I finally quit about three months ago, and yeah, and I haven't done it again, and it's been freaking horrible. <laughs> well, thanks. Well, thank you. But it's been it's been it's been harder than I thought. And um, what am I? But what am I willing to serve God? Am I willing to give God? I got to be willing to do that. He was willing to give His Son to me. He was willing to give his son to you to die on a cross, or willing to give up tobacco. Man, I gotta, I gotta do this. Mary has this unswerving commitment to God. She says, whatever you say, Lord, I don't care what the risks are. I don't care how scary it is, whatever it is. I am your servant. I'm your servant. I think one of the reasons why so many of us have a, a Problem or trouble following Jesus in this kind of way is because we've never really, we've never really surrendered ourselves. A lot of us have never really surrendered ourselves to the Lord. I remember um, that just scared me so bad because it sounded so we and for men, men don't want to surrender. I know that women don't either, but especially for guys, I've seen this be a trouble area of. Surrendering your life to Jesus, actually giving it over to Him and and saying, Man, you are better. You're better at all of it than I am. Having that total devotion. Whatever you say, Lord, I'm going to do it. I'm your servant. The other reason why a lot of us don't have that unswerving commitment. We've never surrendered ourselves in that way, or because we don't really operate on faith. A lot of us want to have every single detail ironed out before we move. Right? We want the nitty gritty detail. Well, when, okay, Lord, when are you going to be here? When are you going? 9:45, Lord? Not okay. Don't be late. Right? If you're 15 minutes late, are the prayers answered free? Like. What? It's just, but we want all these details and, and if you want all the details before you do anything risky, um, you don't have any faith. If you're anxious this morning about how it's going to work out in your life right now, everything, how, how the heck is it all going to, how's all this stuff going to work out? What I would say is the reminder today is to to take, take, piece of like that faith from Mary that when God is in it that it's all going to work out that even if it's the craziest scariest thing it's gonna work out so there's this side of Mary that a lot of us don't talk about very much that she was a woman of unshakable convictions so the first one for note takers thing about Mary is that she had unswerving commitment The second is that she had unshakable convictions. If you read the Bible, you'll find out that Mary, the mother of Jesus, was a lot more fiery. Mary was a lot more fiery and revolutionary than we've been led to believe. This lady was was doing crazy stuff. And um, there's there's a, a book I read a long time ago called, Nice Girls Don't Change the World. And this is an excerpt from it. It says, The Mary that we never knew. There are actually two Marys. One wears a Carolina blue robe and exudes piety from a somber face. She often holds her baby son in her arms and barely makes eye contact with us. This is the familiar Blessed Virgin Mary, and she leads us to a Christmas celebration of quiet reflection. Another Mary, The blessed, valorous Mary wears ordinary clothing, and she exudes hope from a confident face. This Mary utters poetry fit for a political rally. She goes toe-to-toe with Herod the Great and musters her motherliness to reprimand her Messiah son for dallying in the temple." She follows her faith to ask him to address a shortening wine supply at a wedding and then finds the feistiness to take her children to Capernaum to rescue Jesus from death threats. This Mary followed Jesus all the way to the cross, not just as a mother, but as a disciple, even after the closest followers had deserted him. She leads us to a Christmas that's marked by yearning for justice and courage to fight for it. She leads us to a Christmas marked by a yearning and a courage to fight for it like other women of her time, that she would have worn a robe, that she may have worn a robe and a veil, but I suspect that her sleeves were rolled up, that her veil was askew more often than not. Uh, in the book of Luke and the, the New Testament, we have Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the four gospels that tell us the story of Jesus' life, his birth, his birth his ministry, his life going on, his death, and ultimately his resurrection. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Why are there four of those stories that all tell the same story? Because if you talk to just one person and they have a crazy story, you can write them off as a crazy person. But when you have four people who are telling the same crazy story in four slightly different ways, all of a sudden somebody's not crazy. All of a sudden a crazy story is possible. And so we have Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Luke tells us that as soon as the angel Gabriel left Mary, she hurried down to the home of her older relative Elizabeth so she could share the good news with her. It says in Luke 1, blessed are you among women and blessed is the child you will bear. This is, this is, um, this is Elizabeth who's saying this. Mary goes to visit her cousin Elizabeth who the angel said, oh, by the way, you haven't seen her, and you thought she was way too old. Also, she's pregnant. She's six months pregnant. Um, Yeah, congratulate them when you see them. But uh, she goes to see her cousin, Elizabeth, and Elizabeth says, blessed are you among women, and blessed is the child you will bear. As soon as she sees her, even though she's not showing yet, she knows that there is a baby inside this Mary. The instant that Mary crosses the threshold of Elizabeth's house, it says that the baby John started breakdancing in her belly. And she, she responds by bursting into this blessing for Mary. She says, blessed are you among women, and blessed is the child you will bear. She says, my soul glorifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. Mary's pumped over What Gabriel told her and and what Elizabeth has just confirmed and so it's like well this angel came and said something but I wasn't really sure because I you know it was one line I couldn't tell if the second one was like I couldn't Guys, know what I'm talking about anyways I couldn't tell but then as soon as I went to your house she walks in the door and Elizabeth confirms it and so she's just she's hyped over it her son is going to be the one, the son of David, the Messiah, the future king that has been talked about, the one who's going to establish justice on earth, the one who's going to usher in the kingdom of God. Luke chapter 1, verse 50, it says, His mercy extends to all those who fear him. From generation to generation, he's performed mighty deeds with his arm. He, sacrificed, he scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. He's brought down rulers from their thrones, but has lifted up the humble. He's filled the hungry with good things, but has sent the rich away empty. He's helped his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever, just as he promised our ancestors. This Mary, 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 don't you realize, Mary, that if King Herod hears you talking about some of this stuff or bringing up Uh, The things that, so Mary's reading this off. Mary, if King Herod hears you talking about bringing down the rulers from their thrones and stuff, he's going to, she's talking about overthrowing the Roman government here. And it's not a song, it's a battle cry. Mary is something. She has unswerving commitment, she has unshakable convictions. Further than that, these and these christ these convictions that I'm talking about, the Christ like convictions um, is have you heard like if you don't if you don't stand for something, you'll fall for anything like that's kind of where the conviction thing comes in that you have certain things that you'd stand for that Mary is willing to stand for Jesus, she's willing to die for him before he was even born and so. She's got this conviction in her where um, it's, it's just on another level. Uh, there's a, a story I wanted to read to you guys that's from a, a book. I just always loved this one in particular, and I think, it, I think it fits with something we're talking about. It's a story that's called My Little Shark Hunter. My Little Shark Hunter. Um, and it's, it's not very long. I'm going to read through it. So it says, Ever since he was knee-high to a Doberman... The boy was fearless. Take him to the ocean, and he'd jump in looking for sharks. You'd take him to the mountains, and he'd see how high he could climb. One day, when he was five, this is Amanda, your little boy, this is the is like One day, when he was five, I watched in horror as he jumped off a roof, a garbage bag duct taped to his back. We couldn't be more opposite, my son and I. The higher that he climbs, the more he believes that God's going to be with him and not me. I believe that God puts us on dry land and he says, Lo, I am with you always. In his first year at college, he called me one night asking me for money. I'm sorry, I said, you've reached this number in error. Please hang up and call your Uncle Dan. Dad, he said, I scaled a 300-foot cliff today. You would have loved it. Right, right, right. His father who contracts vertigo standing on a skateboard. For years, I've wondered what God would make of our son. Would he call him to be a crash test dummy or some kind of professional bungee jumper? Or would he fulfill every North American parent's dream by settling down in a huge house with a nice wife and provide us some grandchildren that we could spoil? The unexpected answer arrived by email one day. Dear Dad and Mom, I just want to let you know that I met a couple nice girls and we're planning on being married in Utah. Not really, but I did meet a girl named Lucy, and I think you'll like her a lot. It's surprising how quickly you can find a justice of the peace down here. Lucy owns a tattoo parlor, but she seldom works. Her father won some kind of money in the lottery, so she's set for life. I won't need to work anymore either. I bought a Mercedes convertible, and you'll be happy to know that I put a chrome fish right on the bumper. I'm just kidding, here's the truth. It might be more shocking. Dad, in the country of Uganda, there's a thing called the Lord's Resistance Army, and it's committing atrocities against children that are too awful for me to put in this letter. Over the years, these people have abducted 50,000 kids, and they've turned the ones that they haven't murdered into soldiers. I've decided that I want to work with street children in Kampala and I'll be living with local missionaries there. It'll mean there's lots of needles and lots of dangerous things and I'm going to have to get shots of every different kind and I'm going to need to raise a little bit of money too, of course. But Dad, you told me once that Jesus came to comfort us and not to make us comfortable. And I just feel like I've been comforted enough, and it's time—it's time for me to offer some of that to other people. He says, "I love you, Dad. Your son, Steve." Dad says, "Where did we go wrong with this kid? <laughs> Couldn't he have just been..." You know, started like a beach ministry in Hawaii. Maybe we blew it taking him to other countries and showing him what the real world looks like. Don't you just hate it when your son practices what you've been preaching? I get, I, I get choked up because um, it, it's hard. To, it's hard to read through because it's it's one of those things that will continue to always make me cry when I see somebody step into a story that God has written for them and all of a sudden they get they step into it oh my god and it's scary and you but you do that maybe we blew it by taking him to other countries and showing him what the real world looks like don't you just hate it when your son practices what you've been preaching And this is what we've been praying for all these years. Mom said with a grin that he was going to live his life with a purpose. And so one month ago, we hugged our firstborn son goodbye as he embarked on a grand adventure halfway around the world. It's funny the questions that people ask when they hear that he's in Uganda. Aren't you worried about his safety? And yeah, I have my moments. But check the list of the most dangerous spots on Earth, and yeah, Uganda nears the very top, but safety isn't really what we're here for, is it? Isn't complacency the most dangerous place on earth? Isn't suburbia sucking the life out of all of our teenagers more than any foreign country ever could? And so he says, I sat with a missionary the other day who's pouring her life out in Pakistan, patching bodies and souls for Jesus. She's the only missionary in her area whose parents support her being there. I must be honest, I understand. There are times that I'd rather Steve be home, that he would be here making good money, that he'd be putting it away for my nursing home bills, and yet I cannot hope for more than this that my children will hear God's voice despite a noisy culture and that they will obey. I've shed a few tears for sure, but mostly I've been giving thanks because. I've been given a son who's a much improved version of his father. And I'm also thankful for email and cheap overseas phone rates. I'm thankful that there are no sharks in Uganda. Um, I just, I love that story because it's a, a it's a mom and a dad who with, I mean, we're, we're getting to that. We're just getting to that point now where we're gonna to have to release our kids into the world somewhere. <laughs> and this is a story of a mom and a dad who have this incredible fear and trep- trepidation to release their son into this dangerous mission that is scary, and the, the, <laughs> the kid, but the kid, the kid, he's not scared at all, he completely embraces it. Does this story sound familiar? Jesus is sent on a dangerous mission. He accepts it. Mary and Joseph are given this dangerous mission with courage, with uh, commitment, with conviction. They accept it. In the same way, God is calling us out into dangerous missions all the time. The mission of spreading the good news of Jesus and his love and trying to anybody who's going through people who are going through hell, it's our job to drag them out. It's just our job to drag them out. And when you're dragging people out of hell, it's messy. And there's vomit, and there's feces, and there's pain, and there's struggle, and there's fights, and there's arguments, and there's, there's frustration, and there's joy, and there's excitement, and there's new, and there's hope. And there's transformation. And there's seeing people get it. And seeing people start to change. And seeing people start to recognize that Jesus loves them. And start to uh, love themselves because he loves them. And so he might choose different ways for us to carry out that mission. But he's calling all of us to the same thing. I imagine that uh, Mary was sitting they holding her son on that first Christmas morning and that she was pondering she was pondering what that dangerous mission was going to look like and that she would be sending her son out and she's reading these she knows these things, these prophecies here's what it says is going to happen to my boy here's what it says is going to happen to my boy and I can imagine that from the human side of it, from the mom side of it she wants to protect him and she wants to shelter him from the pain of this world, but she also recognized that he was the solution for the pain in this world, and so she sacrifices and she gives him up. God, his heavenly Father, gives him up so that he could fulfill this plan for our salvation. This Christmas, I just wanted to encourage you all to just uh, try try to grab onto some of some of that. That character, some of that something that Mary had, to make an unswerving commitment to Jesus this year, that you would work on developing those unshakable convictions, those things that you stand for, where you just say, "Well, that's no, I'm I'm for this and against this," um, and so you can't you can't shake me from that. And so the challenge this year to you is is this. How how will you be different this year and be a little bit uh, a little bit more a little bit more like Jesus' mom? How will you be different this year? When it comes to Jesus and giving him everything that you have, are you going to give it over to him? Are you going to surrender? Are you going to keep fighting? Stop. What's it going to look like? Are you going to do something different this year? Because you've been given the gift, it happens December 25th for us in the United States, but it's a reminder you've been given the greatest gift of all time, that you can make your life go anywhere you want it to, and that with him all things are possible. That if any of you are in the room right now going, I'm stuck and I can't get out, I'm telling you that's a lie from Satan. It's a lie from the enemy. It's completely untrue. And there's a million different ways that you can get out of whatever you're stuck in with Jesus. I'm way out of time, so we got to end. Let's pray. God, thank you for Christmas. Thank you for giving us your son. Thank you for just so, so much work that you did on our behalf because we, we could never be good enough. And so we just want to spend the rest of our lives saying thank you. We love you. We thank you that you died on the cross, even if nobody else was standing at the foot of it, that if it was just us, you still would have done it. If it was still, say that to yourself in your head right now and just think about that as you pray. If it was just you, he would have done it. If it was just me, he would have died on that cross for me. We thank you for that, Lord Jesus. We praise you. Pray in your name. Amen. Amen. God bless you guys. I love you all. For more information about Vineyard Westside, please visit vineyardwestside.com.